Okay, everybody, we're back with an American F1. Some tidbits post-race Miami. And now, you know, I know what you're saying, right? We're back here discussing another 2023 Formula One race in which the competition, more or less as we could say, was not exactly entertaining. And what everybody is going to say, and I've seen it on Twitter, and I've seen it on, you know, YouTube and other places, wherever anybody has a mic. The question is, is the Formula One 23 season bad? Is it too boring? And this goes into a further question, too, after this Grand Prix. Were the regulations, was 2022 a good season? And we're starting to question the effectiveness of these new regulations, right? The new regulations that, when they were introduced, were intended to bring us closer racing, intended to make the field more competitive, kind of bring people, especially with the cost cap, bring people on a more level playing field. And what we're finding since last year really is just flat-out Red Bull dominance. Now, yes, I understand that. I understand the idea about, you know, um, I understand this idea that, yes, the 2023 season and the 2022 season, for that matter, haven't been exactly entertaining. At least in 2022, we got some good races at the beginning of the year, and then Red Bull kind of went on their own way, and Ferrari sank like, um, you know, a ship in a big storm. I don't know how to explain. I probably could have used a better analogy there. You know, not great with the analogy sometimes, but it happens. Um, the point is, though, yeah, Red Bull's dominance in 23 is really getting people to question whether or not we're having a great Formula One season. Now, I'm going to counter that and say we are having a fairly, I don't want to say normal Formula One season, but if you look through the majority of F1's history, right, there hasn't always been close last lap battles. It always hasn't been a shootout to the finish. Yeah, there have been things in terms of strategy and other elements of the racing that have made the seasons more entertaining. And we've had some close championship finishes, but... Really, they've been sporadic. You know, there were some in the 70s and 80s. There were, I think it was, what, Reutemann and I want to say Andretti or Fittipaldi. I'm going to get that wrong. Um, no, it wouldn't have been with those three. I forgot who was with. But it was really, um, there was, I believe, a three-way. Ah, it's going to kill me who it was. i got to look back. But, yeah, you know, there have been these times where, yeah, there were close races and close championships and you know in this post DTS world right this drive to survive world I think Formula One is at a pivotal point it's at a very crucial point in terms of audience and you know for all the work drive to survive has done in gaining a Formula One audience the trick now is to keep that audience captivated and I understand that can be tough. That can be complicated. We see Formula One expanding into new areas. The United States is most definitely a big new area that they are trying to hit. And there's good reason to do that. There is a growing audience in the United States. There are a lot of people that are Formula One fans. But at the same time, you can't sacrifice gimmicks for competition. I think the last two weeks we've seen lackluster races and you know I know the sprint race weekend we discussed that last week you know Baku's attempt to throw in a sprint race that was essentially we had a dual race weekend it wasn't 
they were really, the sprint race had no impact on qualifying, so we really had two independent races. Uh, it was interesting, but I think what you were treated to instead were rather two mid-races, two mildly entertaining races. I don't even think you could say they were entertaining um, at all. But in terms of Miami, yeah, Miami, you know, I guess thankfully we had a Q3 that had some chaos with Charles Leclerc being thrown into, you know, a accident due to his own doing, you know, um, driving off the track yet again. Uh, that'll be another thing we'll discuss in a few minutes, but you know, Miami was looking to be a little more exciting. You know, there was rain potential on the horizon. There was the Q3 that was a little messed up. And then the race itself, yeah, there was. Honestly, there was a lot of midfield action in Miami. There was. And we had Max, you know, I I mean, it's insane how easily Max can just blow through the field. And then we had a little battle for the lead, you know, between Max and Sergio Perez. I think it would have been nice to see Sergio kind of, you know, battle a little more and catch up a little more. But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, I think Max just truly is a better driver than Sergio Perez. I don't think there's any debating that Max Verstappen is one of the best drivers on the grid. We know that for a fact. You, you couple Max who, listen, say what you want. Max is in the fastest car right now. He is a, you know, for lack of a better term, a torpedo. But um, the fact is, he is still... One of the best drivers on the grid. When Red Bull in 2020, 2019, 2018, he was one of the best drivers on that Red Bull. He was getting that Red Bull, which wasn't the fastest car, to victories, to great racing positions. So, you know, to say that it's just a car is like saying it was just a car for Lewis Hamilton. Lewis is a great driver, too, and he's shown that with Mercedes. He can get that car in to positions that car really has no business being in. On the other hand. Uh, the other teams down the grid, right? The midfield is very close, and there is a little chaos in the midfield. You know, great to see Haas pulling out a great effort, at least in qualifying. Um, the team that I guess really has been disappointing, there were some news reports over this. Well, I guess we'll first start with Charles Leclerc. And, you know, Charles Leclerc, we always, he's one of these guys that we're hoping to, you know, get a victory, get a championship out of, and he just seems to make too many little mistakes. And, I think that begs the question, is Charles Leclerc able to win a championship? Is he able to be, um, you know, less accident prone? Is he able to manage that kind of drive throughout a season? Because we've seen now, okay, it's one thing to say, yeah, he was a young driver, he's learning. But we've seen Charles Leclerc in, you know, qualifying in big moments in races, like in France, for example, just lose the car at the wrong time. And, you know, the question really is, can he make that step up and just race fairly clean and be in the moment and, and be the championship driver that, you know, he can be mistake-free, not make these little errors. And Ferrari itself as a team, too, needs to make those little errors. And clearly Ferrari is not quite where they need to be this year. Uh, Ferrari is definitely, you know, I mean, they are top three, but they're really lackluster this year. They aren't the strongest team on the grid, and they're not really displaying enough for me to be satisfied that they can contend for wins. And, I mean, a lot can change throughout the course of the season, you know, as development changes. But right now, man, it is not looking good for Ferrari. Uh, the other driver that really surprised me, and I think there's somebody that needs to get really more recognition here is Yuki Tsunoda. Tsunoda. 
Yuki again finishing in the top 11, which honestly, for that Alpha Tauri, that is a great finish for him. I mean, Yuki, I know him. Listen, I am a Yuki apologist. I'm sorry. I really do have faith in Yuki. I followed him since his F2 days. And Yuki, I think, does have some untapped potential. I think he is a little bit of a wild card in the fact that, yeah, he does like to drive the car a little bit on the edge and probably take some risk. Or last year, definitely, and the year before, took risks when, you know, he probably didn't need to. But Yuki is a driver, I believe, with a lot of potential and can most definitely get that car into positions where I think the AlphaTauri has no business being in. You know, for the AlphaTauri to finish 10th and 11th is quite amazing, to be honest. And what Yuki is doing with that car just shows you how he's grown as a driver, and I think he truly is unlocking some potential, at least within himself. You know, that AlphaTauri car doesn't really have much, and it, it is really poor to see. Um, the other team that... I think has been underperforming the most, or, well, aside from McLaren, who had another atrocious weekend, we're not going to even get into that, um, you know, another team that really, I think, has disappointed and has failed to hit the mark is obviously Alpine. Now, Laurent Rossi came out with some statements this week, talking basically about the attitude at Alpine. Now, you know, your opinion can be what it is on a CEO making statements like that. I think it was very interesting that he called out, you know, not just, he wasn't exactly calling out drivers, but it sounded like he was calling out, you know, the very members that work at the factory saying, and you know, the mechanics and, you know, basically saying that there's even Otmar, right? Like he's basically criticizing that team and, for what it's worth, you kind of got to wonder, too, is Otmar, maybe, Otmar, 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 uh, is Safnauer the guy to really lead that team in the right direction? Just looking at, you know, his track record, I mean, I used to have faith in him as a team principal, and, you know, just looking at how he's performed at Racing Point, moving over to, you know, Aston Martin, it just seems like... Obviously, Aston Martin was lackluster with him, and Aston Martin has made some big grounds this year after getting rid of him. You gotta wonder if there is something bigger at play there, and whether that attitude at Alpine is a reflection of the team principle there, and whether Safnauer's tenure in Formula One, maybe, you, you gotta say, I'm not confident in it. And, you know, he did great things with Racing Point, but again... You know, it wasn't without controversy at Racing Point. There was a lot of criticism with, you know, the Mercedes copying, and I could see why not everybody is exactly in agreement with the attitude towards him, and uh, I could see why there are some problems at Alpine, and I, you know, it also makes you wonder, though, like, you know, there was a lot of high-profile members that have left that team, too, including Alan Prost, Fernando Alonso. So you got to wonder if this is a problem intrinsic with the team. Is it a CEO issue? Is it a team principal issue? Uh, but there are a lot of question marks at that team. And really they need to start making some ground. Because I really think with the driver lineup they have with Gasly and Ocon, that should be a team competing at least for podiums, at least for you know fifth, sixth, higher than where they are right now. And they've just been really lackluster. And you know, like I said, again, another team just flat out disappointing this year and 
in a similar boat, Mercedes and the W, you know, first it was the W13, now we're getting into the W14, like, the criticism of this car, and you just kind of wonder, you know, Mercedes, yeah, they're, they look good sometimes in practice, sometimes even in qualifying, and then just, you know, they're hit or miss, they're really a team that just, again, with their car, just can't seem to get it right, and I've seen Toto making, you know, different statements in regards to how that team has been performing and what they've thought on their philosophy of the car and how they almost really can't figure out what exactly is the problem. And, you know, that's something that I think, you know, part of Formula One is there are ebbs and flows to the sport, right? One year, you're going to be on top and you can be at the top and then fall quickly to the bottom in literally the snap of a finger. There are so many changes that can happen in Formula One so quickly. You never truly know you know, where your team is going to be one year to the next. So, to me, yeah, I get it. Mercedes is not at the top, and I think a lot of people have been waiting and waiting and waiting. Yeah, they were a team that got a win last year, but I think, especially with the lineup of Hamilton and Russell, two very talented drivers, I think they've just been waiting and waiting and waiting for some kind of change to happen, something big to happen, some kind of victory, and we just haven't gotten that yet we just haven't seen that result yet and I understand people's disappointment I understand why they're dissatisfied with the performance of the team it is disappointing it is sad but you know there's really I mean there's really not much you can say like the team just is underperforming they haven't developed the car right and that kind of gets us back into you know this need for Formula One to be a spectacle. And, you know, for me, as a fan, I do get it. I want to see good races. I want to see different drivers winning. And I understand completely why people were booing Max Verstappen when he won at Miami. Um, you know, people don't like to see the same driver win again and again and again and again. And not for nothing, Max Verstappen is a talented driver, but... And I know people weren't... Listen, when Lewis Hamilton was winning all the time, people weren't happy as well. There were people booing. There were, well, you know, the boos weren't as vociferous, but uh, there were people booing. There were people that weren't happy. There were people that found the sport boring. But at the same time, someone like Lewis Hamilton, I think just intrinsically, Lewis and what he brings to the sport... The personality he brings to the sport, the connection I think he brings with some people to the sport is a lot more than what Max brings. You know, one good thing about Lewis Hamilton, and I like Lewis, I like Max, but I like them for different reasons. I do like what Lewis Hamilton brings to the sport. He brings not just, Lewis Hamilton is a personality. Lewis Hamilton is like, you know, if you're thinking baseball, if you guys know baseball, you're Reggie Jackson, you're David Beckham, right? He brings a personality to the sport. He brings some kind of vibrance. He brings, you know, his viewpoints. He, he, he's out and about. He is, like, for lack of a better term, he is the LeBron James of Formula One in that he's not just a superstar, but he has this sense of personality about him and this sense of, you know, creating a community around him. And, and guys like Seb Vettel have done that in the past. And, you know, Max is an immensely talented driver, but Max is all business. Max is the guy who 
isn't out and about, who isn't talking much, who, yeah, frankly, he gets into it with other drivers, he gets into it with the media. He's not a person out there and in front of the sport. There, you know, I think the average person who doesn't watch Formula One might know who Lewis Hamilton is. I don't think the average person who doesn't watch Formula One will know Max Verstappen by looking at him on the street. I don't think he's a personality for the sport. And I can understand why people, you know, in some ways, whether it's his fault or not, Max does kind of have this air of being sort of a villain around him. And Red Bull itself, like, you know, not for nothing, like Christian Horner, if you're a Drive to Survive fan, you're going to think that. If you're someone watching the races, the way, you know, Christian Horner interacts and the way Max, you know, they kind of do seem like the bad guys that are winning vibe of the sport. And it does seem sometimes like Mercedes more or less are the good guys. And, you know, everybody else is just kind of there. And that's, uh, you know, my assessment as somebody who would be looking at it from the outside. If you're new to the sport, you're watching it from the outside. If you watch Drive to Survive, that might be the vibe you're going to get. So I understand why people find these races boring, and I understand why people aren't happy that Max just keeps winning and winning and winning. But, you know, to say we need to change something to the sport, it's hard to say because we change regulations. We try to make the rules more conducive to racing closer. But unless you have spec cars like they have an IndyCar and NASCAR, the fact is you're going to have teams finding loopholes or even Formula 2, you're going to have fine teams finding loopholes, finding as much as they can within the regulations to make a car fast. That is the point of Formula 1 racing. That is why it's called Formula 1 racing. It's not exactly to have, you know, cars that are spec cars. That, you know, that entertainment angle wasn't really ever considered. Formula 1 is a sport that is about as much the driver and the engineers, the aerodynamicists, the, the shop at home that creates the fastest car. That is where we get our auto technology from. That is where innovations have come from. So, you know, in one part, I want to see close racing. But in the other hand, I want Formula One to still be about building the best car you can build and making it a competitive, you know, test of engineering and driving together. That is why the smartest people in the world, the smartest aerodynamicists, some of the smartest work in this sport. So it's going to take a lot to change that angle. And I'm, I'm just not sold on that yet. I think you're going to have some seasons that are great. You're going to have some seasons that flat out suck. And that is sorry. That is just the nature of the sport. And whether you agree or not that it's got to change, that's your opinion. But if you look at past seasons, there have been seasons. And we've been spoiled. We've been spoiled with some good seasons lately. But these seasons aren't always competitive. And that's been in NASCAR too. I mean, NASCAR had a change. NASCAR for the longest time, the championship winner was decided before the last race. NASCAR had a change to a playoff system, which has its benefits and has its downfalls. IndyCar, I will say, IndyCar probably, and even um, endurance racing, probably are some of the most competitive sports in terms of racing right now. But, you know, it is what it is. I mean, things can change from one season to the next. So, 
that is my little tidbit on, you know, just things going around the Miami Grand Prix. The Miami Grand Prix itself, you know, the atmosphere, you know, me as a peon, I can't afford tickets to it. I'll never be able to afford tickets to that Grand Prix. So it's kind of cool to watch it on TV, see all the superstars. I know people are complaining about the driver introductions, but, you know, the driver's got to get over that because you think this is a bad thing about Vegas, right? Like, other racing series do that. If you're a fan that watches NASCAR, that is like one of the premium things about NASCAR. And I think it's a little cool moment, you know. So, yeah, I know. I get it. Like, Formula One is about tradition. And, again, this goes that debate between tradition and modernity in Formula One. And, you know, maybe that has to change at some point. But for now, that is what it is. So those are my little tidbits from this race weekend. I hope you guys enjoyed. I'll be coming back with you later in the week. Hopefully there will be some more news and some interesting stories that we could talk about to give you more Formula One tidbits from an American F1. Thank you guys for listening, and I hope you come back and listen again.